Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and live from my computer screen is Katie, the heir of Ritalin. Enemies of the air. Hey, let's go ride bikes. I didn't know you could ride a bike. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How about we go on and do the rolling rehash? Okay. Last week, we discussed Chapter 8, The Death Day Party, and the corresponding film scenes. The pepper-up potion had everyone smoking at the ears. Sir Properly Decapitated Podmore's letter had nearly headless Nick nearly losing his mind. Harry's bit of mud had Filch frothing at the mouth. The Death Day Party food had us wrinkling our noses. The writing on the wall had everyone scratching their heads. And Draco's Nazi von douchebaggery had us wanting to punch him in the face. During episode 26, 45 times just doesn't cut it. Our Potter pondering was, Harry decided to wait in Filch's office until he returned from dealing with Peeves. Would you have waited, or would you have bolted the moment Filch was gone? Now, last week I said that I would get the fuck out, but Ellen said something about, I don't know, people having a conscience or paranoia, and I pointed out that those people are Hufflepuffs. And obviously I was right, because Carly said, my little Hufflepuff self would wait. And Diana, another one of our Hufflepuff keepers, said she is a goody two-shoes and would stay. She'd be way too scared of the extra trouble she'd be in if she left. So I'm going to mark that down in the Katie column. To be fair, Dave is also a Hufflepuff, though he would have waited as a kid who was scared of authority. As an adult, he says, bye, see ya. Still two out of three. That's a majority, and I'm going to mark it. Samantha said she would totally GTFO. She's a Gryffindor, so I don't find that too surprising. It goes with my theory. Quincy is also a Gryffindor and says that if it's for something stupid like dripping mud on the floor, he'd leave. But if it was for something serious and he was in real trouble, he'd stay. So see, Hufflepuffs aren't the only ones who might stay. Fine, you can have a point too. Carly cracked me up in the response to Quincy, though, saying that she forgot his detention was because he was at Quidditch practice, and then called Filch extra. <laughs> Filch is totally extra. Mm-hmm. Their responses led to a side conversation about Filch being mad because he had a whittle coldly woldly, as Quincy put it, <laughs> and wondering if the pepper-up potion works on squibs. Carly assumes that it does, since the power of magic is literally in the potion, and potions work on muggles, so it should. I think that it would, too. Potions definitely work on muggles, since we know that Tom Riddle Sr. was likely lured by a love potion. And muggles have been treated at St. Mungo's before, so... I agree, but it makes Quincy wonder why Filch wouldn't have taken any. And I still say that Filch just prefers to be miserable so he can take it out on the students. <laughs> Probably. That checks out. But back to our actual Potter pondering. Teresa said that she would pull a Fred and George and search for interesting things in Filch's office. Yes, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Kenneth said that if he leaves, he'd never hear the end of it from Hermione. Stay all night if necessary. That's a really good point. Alice said she would wait because she'd be more scared of what the punishment would be if she ran and he caught her later. If he caught her later. Hmm. 
I love getting everyone's input. Great responses. Yeah, I agree. Our trivia question last week was, what book does Hermione need to check out to get the recipe for Polyjuice Potion? When Hermione is telling Ron and Harry about Polyjuice Potion, she informs them that getting the recipe will be difficult because Snape said that it is in a book called Most Potent Potions, which is bound to be in the hashtag restricted section of the library. However, will they get their hands on that? They will need to find a teacher thick enough to believe that they are only interested in the theory. Wherever will they find one of those? We shall see. Congratulations goes to Sam Jane, who was the first person to answer correctly. Nicely done, Sam. It's so fun to see new people showing up to answer the trivia questions. But let's just keep rolling into Chapter 9, the writing on the wall, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 9. The writing on the wall. Attracted by Malfoy's shout, Argus Filch works his way through the crowd asking what is going on until he sees Mrs. Norris. Horrified, he begins shrieking, wondering what happened to her, and he notices Harry. As he begins to accuse Harry of murdering his cat, Dumbledore shows up, followed by some other teachers. He detaches Mrs. Norris from the torch bracket and asks Mr. Filch, Harry, Ron, and Hermione to follow him. Lockhart excitedly offers his office as it is nearest. He follows them up to his office along with Professors McGonagall and Snape. Dumbledore examines Mrs. Norris as Lockhart babbles in the background, making suggestions and saying how unlucky it was that he wasn't there to save her, while Filch sobs. Eventually, Dumbledore stands up and tells Filch that she isn't dead but has been petrified, though he does not know how. Filch blames Harry, and though Dumbledore tries to explain that a second-year student could not have done this, Filch is insistent, because Harry found out that he is a squib. Harry loudly says that he never touched Mrs. Norris, and doesn't even know what a squib is. Snape speaks up, saying that Potter and his friends may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time, but it is very suspicious, and he wonders why they weren't at the Halloween feast. The trio begins to explain about the death day party, and Snape wonders why they didn't join the feast after. Harry is reluctant to say that he heard a voice, and instead says that they were tired and wanted to go to bed. Snape wondered why they would skip supper, and as Ron was trying to say they weren't hungry, his stomach gave a huge rumble. Snape feels that Potter isn't being entirely truthful, and suggests that he should be taken off the Quidditch team. McGonagall disagrees, saying the cat wasn't hit over the head with a broomstick. Dumbledore declares him innocent until proven guilty, but Filch is still upset and wants to see some punishment. Dumbledore reassures him that they will be able to cure her using Professor Sprout's mandrakes, and Lockhart annoys Snape by announcing that he will make it. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are allowed to leave, and they hurry away, stopping in an empty classroom to discuss what happened. Harry wonders if he should have told them about the voice, but Ron says no. Hearing voices no one else can hear isn't a good sign, even in the wizarding world. Harry asks about the Chamber of Secrets, and Ron says it rings a bell, that Bill may have told him a story about it. Harry then wonders what a squib is, and Ron stifles a laugh. He says that it isn't really funny, but as it's filch, a squib is someone who is born into a magic family without any powers. The clock strikes midnight, and Harry says they should get back to bed before Snape tries to frame them for something else. Mrs. Norris's attack was on everyone's mind for the next few days. Filch paces the spot she was attacked and tries to put students in detention for breathing too heavy or looking happy. 
He tried to scrub the message off the wall with Mrs. Scour's all-purpose magical mess remover, but it didn't work. Ginny Weasley seems particularly disturbed by Mrs. Norris's fate, and Ron says that she's a great cat lover. Hermione spends even more time reading, and Justin Finch Fletchley sees Harry and runs off in the opposite direction. Harry and Ron are in the library, working on homework for Professor Binns, when Hermione emerges from the bookshelves complaining that all of the copies of Hogwarts A History have been checked out, so she can't read up on the legend of the Chamber of Secrets. In History of Magic class, she decides to ask Professor Binns, their only ghost professor, about the chamber. He initially refuses to tell them anything since he deals with facts, but Hermione argues that legends always have a basis in facts, and everyone in the class is so interested for once that he decides to tell them about it. The four founders, Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin, started the school and for several years worked in harmony. But then they started to disagree on what students should be accepted, because Slytherin wished to be more selective. Slytherin and Gryffindor had a serious argument on the subject, and Slytherin left the school. The story goes that he had built a hidden sealed chamber that only his heir could open to unleash the horror within upon the school and purge it of the unworthy students. Professor Bin says that it doesn't really exist, and after several other students try to ask him questions about it, he refuses to talk about it anymore. Harry, Ron, and Hermione discuss what Professor Binns told them as they walk through the corridors. Ron says that he would have left if the Sorting Hat tried to put him in Slytherin, and Harry feels uneasy as he thinks about how the Sorting Hat did consider putting him there. They pass Colin Creevy, who says hi, but is swept away in the crowd before he can finish telling Harry what a boy in his class was saying about him. Harry figures that people must be saying he's Slytherin's heir, and remembers Justin walking away from him. Ron is disgusted and asks Hermione if she thinks there really is a Chamber of Secrets. Hermione isn't sure, but thinks that because Dumbledore couldn't cure Mrs. Norris, whatever attacked her might not be human. They turn a corner and find themselves in the corridor where the attack happened and decide to poke around. Hermione calls them over to a window to show them about 20 spiders fighting to get through a crack in the glass, wondering if they've ever seen spiders act like that. And Ron shares that he doesn't like spiders because when he was three, Fred turned his teddy bear into a spider for breaking his toy broomstick. Hermione is trying not to laugh, so Harry changes the subject and asks about the puddle of water that had been on the ground, wondering where it came from. Ron traces where it had been back to a door, but is hesitant to go in since it's a girl's bathroom. Hermione points out that no one will be in there because it's moaning Myrtle's bathroom. They go in and find Myrtle, who is wondering why there are boys in the girl's bathroom. They ask her about Halloween night, but she says that she didn't see or hear anything because she was too upset by Peeves. She starts crying and dives into a toilet. The trio leaves the bathroom but run right into Percy Weasley, who is furious that they are at the scene of the crime. He and Ron argue until he takes away five points from Gryffindor, and then threatens to write home if they do any more detective work. Later that night, they avoid Percy in the Gryffindor common room and discuss who would want all of the Muggleborns out of Hogwarts. Ron thinks that it's Malfoy, and Harry agrees it could be possible since all of them were in Slytherin, and Lucius is definitely evil enough. Hermione thinks that it could be possible, and suggests making polyjuice potions so they can transform into three Slytherins and question Malfoy about it without him realizing who they are. She says that getting the recipe will be difficult because Snape says it's in a book called Most Potent Potions that is bound to be in the restricted section of the library. The only way to get a copy out of the restricted section is with a note signed by a teacher. 
Hermione thinks that if they can make it sound like they are only interested in the theory, they might be able to get a note. But Ron doesn't think a teacher would be thick enough to fall for that. In the movie, Filch makes his way through the crowd of students asking what is going on. He pushes past the Weasley twins, sees Harry, and is about to ask him what he's up to, but notices his cat hanging by her tail from the torch bracket. He says, Mrs. Norris, and then immediately accuses Harry of murdering his cat. Harry looks alarmed and tries to deny it, but Filch tells him that he is going to kill him. He grabs Harry's collar and yells it a second time, but Professor Dumbledore arrives before he can do anything else. Dumbledore starts to speak to Filch, but cuts himself off when he sees the message on the wall. He tells everyone, except Harry, Ron, and Hermione, to return to their dormitories immediately. Professors McGonagall, Snape, Sprout, and Lockhart also remain. As everyone else walks away, Lockhart moves closer to Mrs. Norris, and Dumbledore tells Filch that she isn't dead, but she has been petrified. Lockhart announces that he thought so, and that it was so unlucky he wasn't there, as he knows exactly the counter curse that could have spared her. No one says anything to Lockhart, and Dumbledore goes on to say that he doesn't know how she was petrified. Filch tells him to ask Harry, and again accuses him of attacking his cat and writing that message on the wall. Harry again tries to deny it, but Filch calls it rubbish, and Snape joins in on the conversation to say that Potter and his friends might simply have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. But the circumstances are suspicious. He remembers that he didn't see him at dinner, and Lockhart speaks up to explain that Harry was helping him answer his fan mail. Hermione joins in to say that was why she and Ron went looking for him. She starts to share what Harry said when they found him, but trails off, not wanting to say Harry was hearing voices. Snape asks her to continue, but Harry jumps in and says he told them he wasn't hungry, and they were heading back to the common room when they found Mrs. Norris. Snape gives him an I-don't-believe-you look and turns to Dumbledore, who says, Innocent until proven guilty. Filch is distraught and says he wants to see some punishment. Dumbledore reassures him that they will be able to cure her because Madame Sprout has mandrakes and they will make a potion to revive Mrs. Norris when they are matured. Sprout steps forward to nod reassuringly and Dumbledore strongly recommends caution in the meantime. The scene transitions to the moving staircases and Hermione leading the way as the trio heads back to their common room. She is talking about how strange it is that Harry hears a voice no one else can hear, and then Mrs. Norris turns up petrified. Harry asks if he should have told Dumbledore and the others about the voice. Ron asks if he is mad, and Hermione tells him that even in the wizarding world, hearing voices isn't a good sign. A portrait hanging on the wall agrees with her as they continue their walk back to Gryffindor Tower. The movie then cuts to the second-year students taking a transfiguration class. Professor McGonagall says that they will be transforming animals into water goblets, and demonstrates on a bird, saying, Vera Verto. The bird morphs into a glass water goblet, and the students are very impressed. McGonagall tells the class that it is their turn, and asks Mr. Weasley to go first. Ron clears his throat, points his wand at Scabbers, and says, Vera Verto. His rat turns into a very furry and still-tailed goblet as the class laughs. McGonagall tells him that his wand needs replacing. Hermione then completely changes the subject when she raises her hand and asks about the Chamber of Secrets. The other students all stare at her with rapt expressions, and she agrees. She explains that Hogwarts was founded by four of the greatest witches and wizards, Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. Three of the founders coexisted quite nicely, but one did not. 
Ron leans over to Harry and says, Three guesses who? McGonagall continues the story, saying that Slytherin wanted to be more selective about the students they let into Hogwarts because he believed magic should be kept within all magic families, or purebloods. He was unable to sway the others and decided to leave the school. According to legend, Slytherin had built a hidden chamber in the castle, known as the Chamber of Secrets. Before he left, he sealed it until his heir came to the school. His heir alone could open the chamber and unleash the horror within to purge the school of those that Slytherin viewed to be unworthy to study magic. Hermione says Muggleborns, and Professor McGonagall nods at her before continuing. She shares that the school has been searched many times and no chamber has been found. Hermione wants to know what the legend says lies within the chamber, and McGonagall says it is a monster that only the heir of Slytherin can control. The scene shifts to the trio walking through a corridor, and Ron asking if they think there is really a chamber of secrets. Hermione thinks there is because all the teachers look worried. As Harry is pointing out that if there really is a chamber of secrets and it's been opened, Hermione cuts him off to conclude that the heir of Slytherin has returned to Hogwarts. She wonders who it is, and Ron points out that Malfoy thinks all Muggleborns are scum. Hermione doesn't think that is likely, but Harry mentions that Malfoy's family has been in Slytherin for ages. Ron suggests trying to trick Crab and Goyle into telling them, and Hermione says that they aren't that thick, but there might be another way. She says it will be difficult, and they'd be breaking about 50 school rules, and it will be really dangerous. Honestly, this section of the movie starts off staying ridiculous ridiculously close to the book. As we mentioned in last week's episode, in both, Malfoy had just yelled, enemies of the air beware, you'll be next, mudbloods. And that leads us right into this week's compare and contrast. Side note, because I forgot to mention it in the last chapter, but since mudblood is such a bad word, why doesn't Draco get in trouble from any of the authority figures around when he says, you'll be next, mudbloods? Perhaps it was just overshadowed by the giant warning in the petrified cat? I mean, I guess. But anyways, both sections start out with Filch showing up to figure out what is going on and then losing his shit when he sees Mrs. Norris. In both, he begins accusing Harry of murdering his cat. And I honestly think the movie nailed this scene by taking it a step beyond the description of Filch's freakout in the book. The look of borderline manic joy on Filch's face when he tells Harry he'll kill him is one of the many amazing nuances David Bradley brings to Filch, honestly. And, coincidentally, it's also why I would shit myself if I ever ran into him in a dark alley. For reals. (laughs) Lucky for Harry, they weren't in a dark alley, and Dumbledore showed up before Filch could actually kill him. Yeah, Dumbledore sauntering in like, August, I... Like, how was that sentence going to end? August, I noticed some water on the floor. Be alive and get them up. <laughs> August, I noticed you left dinner before dessert, so I've brought you a pudding. <laughs> or maybe it was, August, I was wondering if you had some time to practice our duet for Snape's karaoke party tonight. <laughs> Be alive. A pudding. <laughs> karaoke party. <laughs> Holy balls, you're right there. <laughs> just, crying. just keep rolling just keep rolling oh. <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> so this part got a teeny bit different in the book Dumbledore asks the trio to follow him and Lockhart offers up his own office because it's closest sure because it's closest 
Right? It even says he goes along with them looking excited and important. What a tool. In the movie, Dumbledore just sends everyone back to their dormitories except Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And they just have the conversation right there in the corridor. Lockhart does hang around and act excited and important, though. Another minor change is that in the book, Dumbledore detached Mrs. Norris and brought her along, actually examining her and trying different things to cure her before determining she was petrified. Yeah, the film just has him immediately telling Filch that she isn't dead but has been petrified. I mean, I know Dumbledore's supposed to be omniscient and all, but... It kind of bothered me that he never examined her even a little. Seriously. Though it was fantastic when he announced that she was just petrified and Lockhart says it was so unlucky he wasn't there because he knows just the counter curse that could have saved her. (laughs) Right? The teachers just look at Lockhart like, bitch, you couldn't save a seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Though I did kind of miss all of Lockhart's extra bullshit about all of the different things he suspected she was suffering from until Dumbledore announced that she'd been petrified and he was like, just as I had suspected. (laughs) But honestly, I think the movie did it more succinctly and hilariously. For sure. Also in both, Dumbledore says that he doesn't know how Mrs. Norris was petrified and Filch tells him to ask Harry. And of course, Harry denies it. And in the book, Dumbledore comes to his defense saying no second year student could have done this. Filch won't let it go, though, insisting that it was Harry because he found out Filch was a squib. Yeah, obviously they couldn't include that in the movie since they barely did anything with the quick spell course and then deleted that scene anyway. Yeah, Harry continues to deny he had anything to do with attacking Mrs. Norris because he didn't. Mm -hmm. And then in both the book and the film, Snape speaks up to say Potter and his friends may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh my god, the trio looks like they just, like, shit their pants when Snape gives Harry the benefit of the doubt. But then, realize that he is in fact not a pod person a millisecond later when he busts out the however. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Snape goes on to say, it is very suspicious. In the book, he notes that they weren't at the Halloween feast, and they explained that they'd been at Nearly Headless Nick's 500 death day party with hundreds of ghosts as witnesses. And Snape wonders why they didn't join the feast after, since death day parties don't have edible foods. Mm -hmm. Since the movie cut out the death day party, they just had Harry be the one who wasn't at dinner, and Lockhart spoke up to explain that he was helping him answer his fan mail. Then Hermione said that's why she and Ron went looking for him. They found him, and he said, Yes, Miss Granger? The pause here when Hermione clearly doesn't want to answer and then Harry jumping in to say he wasn't hungry was, I don't know, it was super awkward, right? Yeah, no wonder Snape didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. In the book, it was Ron who said they didn't go to the feast because they weren't hungry right after his stomach gives a huge rumble, which is also then completely unbelievable and pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But then Snape says he thinks Potter isn't being entirely truthful and suggests he be taken off the Quidditch team until he's ready to be honest. <laughs> and I love McGonagall's reaction to this, saying, honestly, Severus, the cat wasn't hit over the head with a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It would have been amazing to see Maggie Smith deliver that line. Right? But then, in both, Dumbledore declares him innocent until proven guilty. Filch is not having that, though. His cat has been petrified and he wants to see some punishment. It's a really good thing Filch never invited the trio to a wedding at his house. (laughs) Can you tell I've been binging Game of Thrones lately? Just a little. (laughs) 
But anyways, in both, Dumbledore tells Filch that they will be able to cure Mrs. Norris. However, other than being mentioned for her mandrakes, Sprout was not present in the book scene. In the movie, she was hovering around in the background, until Dumbledore mentions her and she comes forward to nod reassuringly. Yes, she gets kind of excited when Dumbledore brings up her mandrakes and is like, Aw shit, everything's coming up Pomona, bitches. I'ma save the motherfucking day. Did you find it weird that he referred to her as Madam and not Professor? Holy shit, I never actually thought about that. So no, I didn't find it weird, but now that you said it, thank you for breaking that glass. Because the only other people, like, he calls Madam is, like, Madam Pince, the librarian, who's... Who's not a teacher. Yeah, not a teacher. And then Madam Pomfrey, who's the nurse. Also not a teacher. Not a teacher, so... So why did Pomona get demoted? Maybe because... Why doesn't she get to be professor? Maybe because... They don't say Madam McGonagall. I don't know they call... I mean, they call her Professor... In the beginning, when they're in the greenhouses, the students do, but I don't know why Dumbledore doesn't. Yeah, it was just a weird, I just thought it was weird. Another little part that was left out of the movie that I would have loved to see was after Dumbledore said that they could use the mandrakes to make a potion to cure Mrs. Norris, Lockhart pipes up that he will make it, and Snape gets super pissy with him, reminding him that he's the potion master. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been amazing to see Alan Rickman deliver that line, too. And all of the awkwardness that follows. Seriously. (laughs) This is the moment in the book where Dumbledore dismisses Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Yeah, the movie just transitions to the next scene where they're heading up the stairs and have a conversation about everything that just happened. Yeah, the movie streamlined this part quite a bit. In the book, they ducked into an empty classroom to be able to discuss everything in private. And the conversations are somewhat similar, but there are changes and things left out. Story of our lives. What? Things are left out? Hold on. Crazy. The movie has the conversation happen on the stairs. Hermione was saying how strange it was that Harry heard a voice no one else could hear, and then Mrs. Norris turned up petrified. Then Harry asked if he should have told Dumbledore and the others about hearing the voice. The book went directly into Harry asking if he should have told them, and Ron says no, that even in the wizarding world, hearing voices isn't a good sign. And of course, the movie had Hermione stealing yet another of Ron's lines. The line whore. Wait, are you saying line? Lying or lion. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This actually reminds me of an art lesson I was teaching my first graders. Inspired by Kandinsky, who had synesthesia and could hear colors and see music. And I would have my students paint while listening to music so they could pretend that they could see the music too. But I specifically told them to paint an abstract picture using only shapes and lines. Then I walked around while they were painting, and I noticed a kid was painting some kind of animal, and I was just like, remember, you're supposed to be painting shapes and lines, and he just goes, but I am painting a lion. (laughs) Oh, first graders are so precious. Oh my god, it's just one of my favorite teacher stories that I have. I am painting a lion. (laughs) That's adorable. But yeah. So once again, Hermione stole Ron's line. Because obviously she would know everything that is and isn't a good sign in the wizarding world. Though she was validated when the painting on the wall said, she's right, you know. I don't think that was really him. I think he was framed. No. No. Really? No. Ten points from Gryffindor. But it's funny. No. But. No. But. Fine. Mm Mm-hmm. The book continues this conversation on longer with Ron saying that the Chamber of Secrets sounded familiar. 
He thinks Bill may have told him a story about it. Harry also wants to know what a squib is and Ron sniggers. He goes on to explain that it isn't really funny except that it's filch. But a squib is basically the opposite of a muggle-born, being a non-magical person born to a magical family. Which they couldn't do in the movie since they deleted the only little scene that could have maybe introduced the concept of a squib. Yeah, the book definitely spent more time really building up the connections or run-ins that Filch and the Muggleborns had with Harry, which we will keep talking about as we go through this story. At this point, the book lets us know that the attack on Mrs. Norris is on everyone's mind for the next few days, partially because Filch won't even let kids breathe or look happy without trying to give them detention. <laughs> we are also given another subtle clue when J.K. Rowling mentions in passing that Ginny seems particularly disturbed by Mrs. Norris's fate. It's glossed over by Ron telling us that she's a cat lover, but we will definitely be touching on this more. And there's also a little part when Harry sees Justin Finch Fletchley, and before he can say hi, Justin bolts in the opposite direction. The movie hasn't even introduced us to him at this point, so they definitely can't include something like that. We'd have no idea who the fuck he is. Right? Another thing that the movie left out was the fact that Hermione was trying to look up information about the Chamber of Secrets in the library and was annoyed because all of the copies of Hogwarts A History were checked out. And she had to leave hers at home to make room for all of Lockhart's books. <laughs> the movie goes straight from the trio's conversation on the stairs into a transfiguration class with Professor McGonagall. She's having them transfigure animals into water goblets and demonstrates how on a bird. Okay, but here's the thing. So the animal to water goblet thing is cool, but like, how sanitary can it really be? And how safe is it for the animal, for that matter? Like, do they remember being a goblet and having someone drink out of them? How often do wizards need a goblet so bad that they have to transfigure an animal to get one? Or, or, here's a thought, is this lesson essentially the equivalent of teaching the phrase le singe et sur la branche in French class? Like, you never really need it in real life, but it's a good stepping off point for more complex lessons. I never really thought about that. I wonder how that would work. The books have them transfigure animals as well, like the tortoise to a teapot and the mouse to a snuff box. But I wonder what that change does do to an animal. Mm -hmm. And then they also had McGonagall turn her desk into a pig and back. So does the desk remember being a pig? Now I have all sorts of questions. Yeah... Like, okay, but if you turn a desk into a pig and then you cooked it and ate it, would it taste like wood or would it taste like pig? Would it be pork or, or, or wood? I don't, I don't know what to do. And how does the pig feel about this? But is it a pig? It's a desk. Okay, but that's even worse. How does the desk feel about this? But does the desk feel? Like, if you go from an inanimate object to an animate object, does it gain, like, thoughts and feelings? Yeah, and what happens to those feelings I don't... when they turn them back? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know what to do with this information right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of freaking out at this point. Like, transfiguration is tricky. Let's just maybe save this for our Potter pondering and move far away from this subject. And closer to the aspirin. Right? Definitely. This is also the scene we mentioned where we see Ron struggling with his spello-taped wand. Professor McGonagall asks him to go first, and he attempts to transform Scabbers into a water goblet. The Scabbers goblet definitely isn't sanitary. Definitely not. But this is 
definitely different from the book, which had them in a History of Magic class with Ghost Professor Binns. I'm sure the animals didn't mind Hermione completely derailing their lesson, and I love a good Maggie Smith monologue as much as the next sane person, but I still think it was weird to throw this into this class instead of having them with Professor Binns. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense to me to have it set up that they asked the History of Magic professor about the history of Hogwarts, mm -hmm. though I can see why they didn't. It would be an entire other set to make the History of Magic classroom, plus another actor, and they'd have to make him a ghost. I mean, now we're talking about murdering an actor, <laughs> so it was definite. <laughs> so it was definitely much easier to set it in an already established classroom with an already established teacher, especially one as awesome as Maggie Smith. Seriously, though, I do love, love a good Maggie Smith monologue. Like when McGonagall gets ready to tell the chamber stories, like, I strap yourselves in, you little fucks, because shit's about to get crazy. Like, <laughs> I love it. In the book, Hermione has to persuade Professor Binns to tell them about the Chamber of Secrets by pointing out that all legend is based in fact. He notices that for once, the entire class is hanging on his every word and concedes to share the story. I always get a good giggle out of this part, too, because when the students ask questions, Professor Binns calls them all by the completely wrong names. And as a teacher with hundreds of students, it just cracks me up that he just so confidently called them the wrong thing. Well, he has so much conviction behind it, too. Like, that's your new name now. Guess what? You're you're now Pennyfeather. Yeah, Hermione was Miss Grant. Yeah, Miss Grant. You're now Miss Grant. Like, he doesn't close. even... He had, he had four letters correct. Well, yeah. He just gives zero fucks. You know, he gets the first letter right on all of them, though, so. Yeah. I mean, that's at that's least true. something, I guess. But anyways, even if it's delivered in different packages, the information we get is the same between the book and the film. Yep. The four founders got along great until one of them decided he wanted to be more selective with the students and ended up leaving the school. In the movie, Ron leans over to Harry and says, Three guesses who? Do we even need three guesses, Ron? I love McGonagall's little wand point at Ron before continuing on, like, quite right, Mr. Weasley. Me too. But legend has it that Salazar Slytherin left behind a sealed secret chamber that only his true heir could open to unleash the horror within. We also learned that the castle has been searched many times and no one has found the chamber, therefore it must not exist. Hermione raises her hand again and asks what is meant by the horror within, and we learn that the Chamber of Secrets houses a monster. Well, of course the chamber is the home of a monster. It would have been a really shitty and disappointing story if it was the home of, like, a pack of fluffy bunnies or the home of Salazar's collection of turtlenecks or the home of the Whopper or some shit like that. <laughs> Speaking of Whoppers, <laughs> rumor has it that Salazar Slytherin was actually referring to his pants as the Chamber of Secrets <laughs> because they too contain a very large monster. Is that so? It has also been said that Godric Gryffindor named them the Chamber of Secrets because no one but Salazar himself had ever been in them. <laughs> Oh my god. After we learn of Slytherin's monster, god damn it, now I'm not ever going to be able to think of Slytherin's monster the same way. So thanks for that. You are welcome. Awesome. Yeah, let's just keep rolling though. The trio walk through the corridor giving zero fucks, like talking about Malfoy as he is literally obviously walking by. 
And they're discussing the Chamber of Secrets and the possibility of Malfoy being the heir. But why don't they stop to consider any first years for the heir? Like, surely if Malfoy was the heir, he would have started this shit last year, no? I don't know. Give him a year to get a lay of the castle and learn some shit, train some goons. (laughs) Now I'm imagining Malfoy rewarding Crab and Goyle with sweets every time they do something evil or (laughs) goon-like. Good one, Goyle. Tosses him a cookie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's how you train him right. Right? Here's a Scooby snack. (laughs) But yeah... The book has them talking about the Chamber of Secrets in the corridor as well, but they haven't yet voiced suspecting Malfoy to be the heir of Slytherin. Instead, they find themselves in the corridor where they found Mrs. Norris petrified. And this is also where they find the spiders trying to escape from the castle through the window. Yeah, we talked about that last week because they inserted that scene right before they discovered Mrs. Norris. Yeah, and the movie was a little different from the book because in the book, it was actually Hermione who noticed the spiders acting weird. And as we talked about last week, they had Harry pointed out in the movie. How's it feel to have a line stolen from you, Hermione? (laughs) We also learn exactly why Ron doesn't like spiders, since Fred turned his teddy bear into a spider for breaking his toy broomstick. I mean, that would make me not like spiders too, to be honest. Do you think Fred purposely managed to turn his teddy into a spider, or if he was just so upset that he performed accidental magic? I'm inclined to think it was accidental magic, like how Harry blew up Aunt Marge when she was insulting his parents. Mm, Could be. But Hermione finds this story so funny that Harry feels like he needs to change the subject and asks about the puddle of water that had been there. He notices that it had been mopped up and wonders where it originally came from. Ron finds about where it had been, and they realized it came from inside the girl's bathroom that Moaning Myrtle haunts. They decide to go in and ask if she saw anything that night, but she said she was too distraught because of Peeves to notice anything strange. I was distraught! (laughs) Being made fun of and pelted with moldy peanuts would probably distract me too, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's fair. In the book, we also get to see some more Percy when they leave the bathroom and run right into him. He lectures them more, and this time it's about how bad it looks that they are returning to the scene of the crime, and he tells them that if they do any more detective work, he's writing home. Aw, prefect Percy. Yep. And after that, they're back in the common room, avoiding Percy, and this is where they talk about the possibility that Malfoy is the heir of Slytherin. This mostly lines the conversation back up with the one they had in the movie, because in both, Harry points out how the entire Malfoy family has been in Slytherin, and they need to figure out a way to question him. The conversations differ a little bit from this point on, because the book has Hermione specifically mention Polyjuice Potion and suggest they turn themselves into three Slytherins to question Malfoy. She says that Snape said it was in a book called Most Potent Potions. Which was our trivia question. Yep, and as Dave said, the E's are silent. Mm-hmm. Hermione goes on to say that the book is bound to be in the restricted section of the library, so getting it will be difficult since that requires a signed note from a teacher. But she thinks if they can convince a teacher that they are only interested in the theory, they might be able to get it. And Ron doesn't think a teacher will be thick enough to fall for that. Because sometimes Ron can be a little thick himself. Sometimes. (laughs) Three guesses who the thick teacher will be. Do we even need three guesses, Ellen? (laughs) Full circle. (laughs) The movie doesn't have Hermione mention Polyjuice Potion in this scene. It just says that it would be difficult, they'd be breaking about 50 school rules, and it would be really dangerous. 
Danger, you say? I'm in. Have you been paying any attention these last two years? I live for that shit. Danger and meddling. Exactly. But this is where both the movie and the book end. We don't have any new actors to talk about this week, so we'll go right into our Potter pondering. Right down that rabbit hole. (laughs) If you turn a desk into a pig and cook it, will it taste like pork or wood? Does the pig know it's actually a desk? Do transfigured animals remember being transfigured? If you transfigure an inanimate object into an animate one, does it have thoughts and feelings? And if yes, what happens to them after they become inanimate again? How about this? Transfiguration. What? Yeah, this is a hella wormhole. Like, please share your thoughts and ideas on the concept of transfiguring animals. Look for the post on our Facebook page and let us know what you think. Yes, please do, because mind blown. Right? This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story. And this week it's from Samantha Fraser, who is a Gryffindor. She has an Alderwood wand with a dragon heartstring core that is 12 and 3 quarters. Her Patronus is an Abizan hound. She writes, well... I'm listening to you guys call yourself old, and I'm laughing. I'm 50, lol. My ex-mother-in-law took me and my two oldest kids, who were four and six, to see the first movie, and I fell instantly in love and went to the library and got all the books. I think one through four were out then. I read them all in like a minute. I totally forced it on my kids. They were never super into it at all. I took my youngest with me to see Chamber of Secrets in her baby carrier. She was an infant. Only my best friend was into it. Other moms were like, oh, those books are good. I'm like, good? (laughs) I worked in a department store in the evening, so I had all day to obsess over it and had to find groups on the internet. The fandom was just so awesome, and it was like I can let my Potter freak flag fly free. That was some amazing alliterations. Well done, I gotta say. MuggleNet was amazing. I obsessed over the Harry Potter lexicon. I was big time into fan fiction, especially with the killer wait for Order of the Phoenix. I made a ton of friends who I still talk to. I never grew out of it. My girlfriend is a Slytherin who was not happy to be sorted into Slytherin and totally tried to retake the test and was lying about her answers and then realized halfway through that this truly made her a Slytherin. (laughs) Laughing my ass off. (laughs) Don't tell anyone, but that's how most of us get into. (laughs) And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, which is the wood core and length, your Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Please do. And that will bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, how many bones does Harry have to regrow in his arm after Lockhart mends it? The prize for the first one to respond with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag Skelligrow, will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker is a wizard, a just keep rolling, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you and figure out which sticker you want and where to mail it. 
Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. We also want to welcome Katie Riken as our newest patron. Thank you so much for joining us, Katie. We are thrilled to have you as part of our Just Keep Rolling family. I'm digging the fact that we have another Katie with a unique spelling. Right? She spells it K-A-Y-D-E, which is awesome. I love it. I was telling her how yours is spelled differently, too, and people have definitely been confused by it. (laughs) K-E-I-G-H-T-Y. Remember that one time that someone couldn't reach your K and ended up calling you Heidi? (laughs) (laughs) My God, I forgot about that, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, thanks again, Katie. I'm proud to both share your name and have you as a keeper. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 10, The Rogue Bludger, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.